So Money Episode 381, Frederick Vanderwall. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Torabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. So Money is brought to you today by Wix.com. Need a website? Why not do it yourself with Wix.com? No matter what business you're in, Wix.com has something for you. Used by more than 75 million people worldwide, Wix.com makes it easy to get your website live today. You need to get the word out about your business. It all starts with a stunning website. With hundreds of designer-made customizable templates to choose from, the drag-and-drop editor, and even video backgrounds, there's no coding needed. You don't need to be a programmer or designer to create something beautiful. You can do it yourself with Wix.com. The site empowers business owners to create their own professional websites every day. When you're running your own business, you're bound to be busy. Too busy. Too busy worrying about your budget. Too busy scheduling appointments. Too busy to build a website website for your business. And because you're too busy, it has to be easy. And that's where Wix.com comes in. With Wix, it's easy and free. Go to Wix.com to create your own website today. Hey, you're listening to So Money, everyone. Welcome back. I'm your host, Farnoosh Tarabi. This is first time ever on this show. We have a former Victoria's Secret model. Anyone here remember getting the catalog growing up in like the 90s? We used to get the catalog and it wasn't very risque back then. You know, it was just mostly like women in lovely bathing suits. And they also had a really cool section for regular clothes, like shorts and t-shirts and sleepwear. Anyway, the woman who was in that catalog more than probably any other woman that I remember growing up was Frederic, famous, famous supermodel back then. And little did I know this woman was quite the entrepreneur as well. You know, back then models were starting to become more household names. They were more than just a face and a body. They were individuals that had personalities and you knew where they were from and uh, maybe they had some side businesses. Now, 30 years later, probably, here I am speaking to the one and only Frederic. And she's doing some press right now because she's promoting a new e-commerce site that she created called Frederic's Choice. It's the ultimate location for beautiful curated flowers directly from the growers where every bouquet tells a story. So I'm curious to find out, you know, why Frederic wanted to start this particular kind of business. And also, you know, since she began her journey as a model, how she parlayed that into entrepreneurship and what kind of businesses she likes to go into and and how modeling really created a platform for her to be able to be a businesswoman. Frederic is from Holland and she really believes that growing up in that country gave her this down-to-earthness that she was able to use as an asset, uh, as a model, and then later as an entrepreneur. So uh, here we go. Without further ado, here is Frederic Vanderwall. Frederic Vanderwall, welcome to So Money. This is a real treat for me. I can't wait to connect with you. Welcome. Thank you. Frederic, you've had an enormous career. I mean, I, I, I think of you back to my childhood even when I would get the Victoria's Secret catalog. My mom and I would pour through it. And uh, I mean, this is, this, is, this is before like the Victoria's Secret fashion show. Yes, um, it was. We, and and so of course you being really the the poster woman for Victoria's Secret for for many years and then from there from a model you became an entrepreneur and I also want to say too that you are probably of a generation of models 
first time, I think of you as like the Cindy Crawfords of the world, where there was actually a personality, a person behind the face, behind the picture. Where was yeah? It's actually it's it's kind of interesting. Uh, I was just talking about that. That sort of in the mid nineties, um, all the the girls then really got uh, a name, and we were you know brought out into television and and actually became much more talking heads and the personalities was very key and actually excelled our careers and um, created also quite a bit of longevity in the Mm -hmm. career. So it was kind of interesting because nowadays, I mean, the attention span has gone down quite a bit in general. So things sort of happen fast and then it's gone. But in the modeling industry and the whole fashion industry is is really very, has has changed quite a bit. And, And we kind of don't really, you know, we know a few names, but not not that many, uh, interestingly enough. Right. Was that a natural transition for you? Right. Did you did you enjoy <laughs> did you enjoy the transition where you entered modeling thinking I'm gonna be a model, but then there were bigger expectations, there were there were bigger hopes for you and that you and you seem to really make the yeah. crossover very very confidently, very normally, but I would love to know like what was that process what? like for you? Well, what is is quite interesting, I mean growing up in Holland is um, definitely um, we were quite entrepreneurial from grounded and entrepreneurial. So when the and, and I was actually supposed to study economics, and when I um, sort of by coincidence got introduced to the modeling industry, and and I was able to join. It was called the Look of the Year, was a, a contest done by Elite Modeling Agency, and I uh, again sort of by accident to me in those eyes was. I was so not um, envisioning a career as a model and I won a a contract. So I came to New York and um, so modeling really was not planned. But once I I sort of entered New York and the mix actually of the Dutch groundedness and um, the American spirit of anything is possible, really it opened uh, my horizons a lot. So even as a model, I always tried to combine things with it. So it was also, if it was a calendar or if it was a workout video, to combine these efforts. So in, in those days, it was much more licensing deals, but I always liked the entrepreneurial aspect with kind of the brand um, I was becoming and and using my, you know, Dutch entrepreneurial spirit. So I think, you know, slowly it, it molded further and further. And, and I think living in New York, it, it just opened so many doors. Um, so actually then moving uh, into, you know, how things happen in, in 2005, the Dutch government in recognition of my um, career in fashion named a flower after me. And that kind of, oh. you know, put so many things into suddenly this perspective. Flowers have always played an enormous role. And um, I had a choice. And that's where Frederick's Choice came in as an name from a company but it just made sense i love flowers always been a big part um then you know obviously the dutch heritage but also the opportunity i saw with um the the uh, open space in the e-commerce sense of a brand around flowers and and using you know all my learnings and exposure in fashion and television into my own company so it it kind of it's funny it's it's the transition i think was sort of my full life already as it played out and learning along the way 
So Frederick's Choice, I, mm-hmm. that was a great transition. I wanted to ask yeah. you next about that. So it's a, a website that you launched and it's mm-hmm. primarily to purchase beautiful flowers directly from growers. How are you finding the competition right now in the marketplace? Because there's so many other established vendors, whether it's a 1-800-Flowers, FTD. Um, how are you differentiating and how are you finding your market? So uh, when I uh, started and I, I launched first in Europe, um, really at the source of because flowers really, uh, you know, is, a, is very much a Dutch Holland uh, emblem. Um, and um, I really wanted to create a brand. So it's really about an experience. It's a lifestyle choice. So in that sense, already there's a differentiation in, in the fact that we're really um, setting up a brand uh, centered around flowers and a lifestyle choice. Um, also, the fact that obviously I can go on and talk to you or I go on to uh, a Today Show or I just was in philly and doing something for a morning show and talking about flowers so there's actually a voice and a real life person connected to it so it makes it very authentic um also we we really think about packaging and how if you order flowers um you know i put the bouquets together we we created these collection really thinking out of my fashion background how you um uh, put yourself out there. So if you, and not today, I think, you know, the fantastic big companies like the 1-800s need to exist, but we really are a lifestyle choice. We like to say to people, look, we make choices for you, how we put these bouquets. I've designed them for people and then people can do subscriptions or, you know, that, that it becomes an everyday thing. Yes, we love occasion, but it's also an everyday situation. And we really try to, if you like, white flowers you get white flowers you don't get orange flowers so it's really it's like ordering online for clothing you want to be inspired and that's really what we do and when you order something you want to receive that what you responded to so that's how we really differentiate ourselves and and we're very lucky we have a partnership with horizon media i don't know if you're familiar with the company they're one of the biggest media companies um and so we've been able to leverage also something on uh, not only with a TV program, by the way, which uh, on A&E we have. We have it's called Homegrown Makeover with Frederick and Carter, yes. um, which is also a way of differentiating, of telling the story. It's really about a makeover at home and how to bring uh, the outdoors in. So showing people, yes, you can change the color of your wall and, and have a new couch, but also how can can you bring in flowers and plants to change your environment and, and what an effect that has not only on the look and feel in a place, but also on the people itself. I mean, flowers have been proven to bring happiness and, and have health benefits to people. So it's also telling that story is, is been great. It seems too that your customer, your target market, um, is somebody with disposable income. This is a luxury in some ways. So how are you um, protecting the business in the event that those customers 
find themselves in a situation where they can't afford this anymore. Because I'm thinking back to even like the recession, um, you know, things that were considered discretionary luxury, those were the first things to fall off people's budgets. And how are you maybe, you know, well, actually, it's interesting, I am trying and it comes maybe from the Dutch way, but I'm trying to position as something that should be accessible and approachable. The look and feel is quite luxury, but actually our price point is pretty decent. So we can compete also with the bigger companies. I mean, we have a bouquet of $49.95. We also do these rose boxes that are, you know, in $29. So we, I, I'm trying, and not to say that's money, <laughs> but it's also we really want to make this a part of, like when you would say, um, you know, I like to get that manicure and pedicure or I want to go to a soul cycle class mm-hmm. um, I this is also part this is a choice in life you start making to say I want to change that environment I want to wake up and feel that that what flowers do to me and and so we've created also with these subscriptions where in the end it's yeah I mean it's definitely uh, a choice you make it's you we definitely go for that person who um, is a little bit more mindful um, who you know looks for the soul cycle type the manicure pedicures um, but who also likes um, to treat themselves mm-hmm. and and when they give to some somebody that it's it's a thought out um, gift so that it also you know we do biodegradable box we have a biodegradable vase it comes in this canvas bag so it's it's also very handy if you would bring it to a person so you know I I, I uh, yes uh, it is a choice you make but I think by starting not at $150 with a bouquet, which we often see in places like uh, New York and LA, is really that we, we want to be approachable. In your years as an entrepreneur, Frederic, what do you think has been the hardest lesson learned for you? Um, probably a few. I mean, um, <laughs> um, and, and still learning. I mean, one of the things is definitely... Um, learning how to delegate that you can't control everything (laughs) Um, in the beginning especially when a brand is so close to your own heart uh, you know it's so key to find the right people around you Um, very important also is to keep a strong focus yet to be flexible that because you can have sort of an idea okay this is how I see the company go and, and that's very important to have a clear understanding of your first five years to be able to manifest it yet at the same time is learning to understand that things change and and the ups and downs and problems that occur there are reasons for that and so to be also flexible for that um i think also um um yeah daring to embrace to let it go to let to go with the flow um, I think is also a key element. So I, I think it's a constant learning curve. It was funny. I was just talking to somebody, a woman who I admire in her work and, and a true entrepreneur. And she was saying, you know, those days when you lay on the couch crying that you think it's never going to work. And then the next moment you see the light and you say, oh, fantastic what I'm doing. And it is so key. Um, you know, it is it is a, a, a bumpy road and, mm-hmm. and you have to just sort of embrace that. 
Excited to introduce Audible.com as today's show sponsor. Audible has more than 180,000 audiobooks and spoken word audio products, including my own books, Psych Yourself Rich and When She Makes More. And for so many listeners, the company, get this, wants to give you a free audiobook and a 30-day trial today. Just sign up at audible.com forward slash so money. That's A-U-D-I-B-L-E dot com forward slash so money. I'd love to pick your brain about money now, if I may. This show is all about personal finance. And um, I think you're such a great guest for our our audience. So I'm curious, Frederic, if you've ever followed your life to the tune of a financial philosophy or money mantra, do you have something that you think about when it comes to money that helps to be your guiding light? Um, Well, there's definitely, and I think growing up in Holland um, is that, that I think money, my, my mantra would be is that you should spend money that it is an experience rather than material. I think that is more fulfilling. So I, I really try that if it, if, and this is more on a philosophical, um, when you ask that on a, on a thing, if it's about investing money, um, I've learned and, and I know that some of the questions you, you have about that also, but that, that, um, um, my mantra is really to, that you're able to, um, understand it and be proactive and not just sort of put it away and say, you know, let somebody else deal with it. So mm-hmm. be very hands-on. Yeah. Experiences are what we have the studies show that at least when you spend on experiences, that actually can make you happier. So while money oh, maybe doesn't yeah. buy happiness, the money that you spend on an experience, whether it's travel or a yoga class or a beautiful bouquet of flowers, that That's can actually increase happiness in some ways. Very much so. Very much so. And and a great dinner with friends mm-hmm. is, is, you know, better spent. I personally, you know, I get much happier about that than, than <laughs> spending it on a, on a bag or something. Exactly. Yeah. What about your upbringing that was very instrumental in teaching you about money? Was there an experience you had growing up in Holland as a child that really just was a, uh, and a very initial kind of introduction to money, taught you a lot about money, anything like that? Yeah, I I, um, I had at one point this job um, where I cleaned the kitchen after this sort of uh, restaurant was closed. And um, and so I would go there on my bicycle, clean this kitchen. Um, and funny enough, I found it um, very uh, uh, somewhat satisfying because I really saw a difference, by the way, of the work I did. If I look back now, I'm thinking, oh, my God, I have to clean a kitchen at a restaurant. What a disgusting idea. But... Um, <laughs> Uh, but yeah. I, I, I enjoyed it very much, the empowerment of it. And, and that, uh, that's, and I made the money. It was very empowering to, to make your own money. And so at a very young age, started doing several jobs. But there was this particular time that I was being paid for this job of cleaning the restaurant, uh, kitchen. And then I was on my bike going back and I was very proud coming home and showing my mom, uh, the money and I had lost it and I was so upset and she took oh. me in the car and we sort of retracked my route to the restaurant and never found it. Um, and it was, in, it's interesting because when I, um, when I was thinking about that early <laughs> memory, it's just, you know, the, it taught me the value of money mm. and, 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 um, you know, it, it was a very, 
important thing. And, and yeah, so no, it, I mean, I'm, I'm so listening upsetting. to you. <laughs> no, I'm listening to you. And it makes me want to cry because it kind of happened to me as well. I, uh-huh. I was a waitress in high in college. And I remember one night, I was tipping out, you know, my boss would make me basically mm-hmm. take my tips. And I had to give a percentage of it to the bartender and to uh-huh. the bus boy. And by the end of the night, I had like $5 left. And I'm thinking, did I lose money? Did I actually drop money yeah. along the way? And a, a few nights of this, I and I started to get paranoid, like I must, the money must be falling out of my pocket, I would go home in tears. Because not just because it taught me the value of money, but the value of my time and the work. Working in yeah. a restaurant is an yeah. honest, hard day's work. Tough. Yeah. Oh, you God, know? yes. It's it not is. passive income. And yeah, no. It's the most thankless job in some ways. So to leave that job with pennies, if nothing, uh, I later learned that my boss had miscalculated. Oh, really? Oh, <laughs> All the tip outs. Oh, so oh. I, I got money back towards the end of the oh, month. Good. But still, at oh, the time, good. I thought <laughs> I must be like, my pockets must be dripping money. So, um, I completely know that feeling. And um, I guess yeah. in some ways it's better that you experience it when you were younger than later. It totally. And it's funny when I think about that of experiential um, that started, I had my first modeling job and suddenly, you know, it was much easier money. It wasn't yet New York rates, but in Holland I had this one job. And I remember taking my mom to a dinner um, in one of the better restaurants in The Hague, where I grew up. And I remember the feeling of being empowered as a woman that I could do this. And it's funny, it's also something that definitely, I, I, I find it, you know, being independent in some sense, I found very empowering. That's an interesting thought because when you think of being a model sometimes at least today i don't think of it always as an empowering position because there's so much pressure people want you to look a certain way and um but when you were experiencing modeling um what was your what were your memories of that i mean surely there were good times and there must have been some tougher times oh very much i think this the the, the i think it's very um when i look back of 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 how i grew up and and having um a certain um yeah uh, grounded and humbleness so that helped me very much uh, when I came to New York and that industry obviously is very competitive, but I definitely, um, the empowerment of travel, um, and making that kind of money, um, was very, um, I mean, I, I, I very much embraced that. Um, and I tried to, to also when people were saying, you know, oh, we don't want you, you got again rejected for a job. And this happens, by the way, to the best, to everyone. This is the industry. Acting and modeling is all about rejection. And you have to kind of realize it's really not about you. And it's just about what some campaign just wants you know, a brunette then, or this or that. It has nothing to do with you. And and um, I think a lot has to do with who the people are around you, how you were brought up uh, to deal with that. Because I think a lot of models got very hurt and, and very fragile as, as women. And I think um, it has a lot to do with, with this constant being appreciated just for looks and being rejected all the time. And mm-hmm. And I think... It just got, I, you know, my upbringing definitely gave me strength and, and I got lucky that I spoke up whenever I was feeling also 
um, you know, if a photographer just told me off or said, I want this, and I would say, excuse me, mm-hmm. you don't talk to me in that way. I'm, you know, and as a woman, I stood up for myself. I'm also very pro-women, and I find that, you know, that, that, that um, being, um, um, you know, embracing us as women, as, as entrepreneurs, as models, as whatever, to be able to do that is, is very key. And, and I think it was a part of my upbringing, too, but being in New York and, and now being we work with quite a few women, I, I think it's fantastic. And I think we need to do more of that. Who were your role models in, in the sense that these were the people that really inspired you to take an entrepreneurial, entrepreneurial route? Not all models have the wherewithal or the, or the foresight to say, you know what, I can't, I'm not going to be modeling this steadily all my life. Yeah. I really should have something else to not fall back on, but to really make my next um, kind of my next step in my life. Um, yeah. who, who kind of gave you the motivation and the inspiration to take this route or was it just all in your DNA? <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I think, I think, you know, it's experiences. I think a part of my motivation was New York. I mean, meeting people sh- that, that had ideas and beliefs and said you could fail and you could stand up again. That's very much the American way. And I think that combination of the Dutch being somewhat more grounded and then the American way of, of taking risks it has definitely been a motivation. New York in itself. I don't think particularly in the fashion industry or of models that, that I looked at. It was more what I saw around me and, and realizing for me that I wanted to find a bit more meaning in what I did that yes the modeling I was incredibly grateful for that but it didn't always fulfill me so finding somehow that I could use um you know uh, a sense of humor or my you know my 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 idea of a brand or my brain in in different ways um, so, uh, creativity in a different way. So it became more rounded. So I think that's, you know, how, how it, and, um, developed one woman who has been for me an, an, an incredible mentor is a woman called Beatrix Ost, who's definitely not an, an, an entrepreneur in business, but an entrepreneur in life. And she is a very dear friend and, and, uh, but, and funny enough, she's, I don't know her age, but she's much older, maybe even, I don't know, she's ageless, but she um, has shown me how important it is to, to thrive and to be exceptional and dare to take risks and know that life always gets interrupted. There's always things that happen that you didn't see coming and that are very difficult, but to also embrace it, that that's very much part of that journey. Um, and that has helped me, you know, just watching her and be that inspired by such a wise woman who's lived so many lives. How much has failure been a part of your learning process? Oh, what's what's your biggest, maybe what's your biggest <laughs> financial failure? Well, actually, that also was very young <laughs> that happened. Um, and, and it was a funny one. Um, uh, an advisor to my uh, stepfather actually um, had talked about this land in Florida. It was called something like general development or whatever. And, you know, I started making some money and I always believed, okay, you have to invest it, be wise about these things. And um, so I sort of joined in. Anyway, it turned out it was a complete scam. 
I mean, wonderfully paid for about a few years, a monthly fee <laughs> towards wow. this land. And it didn't exist. And it was a, such a good lesson because you need to understand how you're investing. And, and you know, if, if it is indeed land or buildings or, or houses or apartment or whatever, you know, it, it's great because it's something you can touch. And in this day and age, even better probably but you know you need to see it you need to go there and make sure that indeed this is what you're doing and and if you can't you need to do some homework and and realize what these companies are that tell you that you can be part of whatever real estate deal so it was a very at a very early age i think this was at like 1920 i i you know learned that that um, I was taught to to definitely investigate, um, but I think also um, to to do invest has always been something I firmly believe. In a very young age, I was able to already buy my first apartment in New York. And um, how old so, were you? How so old were you when that happened? <laughs> I could. Um, let's see, because so that's. Um, <laughs> probably 20 or something wow. ridiculous young yeah 21 and i always remember that the people i bought it from they found it quite difficult that i was so young oh. and i was definitely not arrogant about it at all that's not at all my nature um i was even a little bit sort of like a almost apologetic because <laughs> I feel that they were, they felt funny about it. Yeah. Oh, I can only imagine. <laughs> did you hang on to that apartment for a while or did you? A uh, long time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I got lucky. Got and I'm sure lucky. you turn it around for a nice fortune because as any yeah. piece of property in New York yeah. that sits for a few years, yeah. it does well. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> What's your number one habit, Frederic, a financial habit that you practice that keeps you on top of your finances and, and improves your financial health? Um, well, I think it's funny because in some ways you would, I, I definitely, I don't check something every day. I think mm -hmm. that if you make an investment, um, you know, what's happening, for example, now in the last few months with these markets being so um, volatile, mm -hmm. is that you have to sometimes sing it out. <laughs> don't look at yeah. all these minuses. Um, another thing is, is that I am... Uh, um, in control. Like I pay my bills. I see what happens. Um, I am aware of that indeed what's going on in the world and, and, and to be diverse so that not everything is in a stock market, but that you have a mixture. Uh, um, and, and it doesn't matter at whatever level you are in investing or in, in, in own, owning money, but to be thoughtful and diverse and and say to save a little bit and invest is a very smart approach so yeah being proactive and and be part of it but also not to let it rule your life because i think that's very unhealthy frederick it's been so great to speak with you i've uh i i, I like again i was telling you before we even be, went live on the podcast that it's uh it's so funny where life takes you you know um mm -hmm. probably if i knew 
my 12-year-old self knew that someday we'd be talking <laughs> together on a podcast about money, let alone modeling yeah. in your career, I would I would be so excited to just, I, would, I wouldn't want to wait to grow up. So thank you so thank much for you. sharing your time with us and congratulations on yet another stellar business. I hope that it brings you, I hope it blooms. I hope it continues blooming. Thank you. Thank you, Vernish. Great meeting you. That's a wrap. Thanks so much to my lovely guest, Frederic. Her website is us.frederiqueschoice.com. Check it out. All this information back at somoneypodcast.com where you can get the transcript, the audio, and also the comments from this episode and all previous episodes. And while you're there, click on Ask Farnoosh and send me your question for the Friday episodes. And just a reminder, Follow the Leader now airing on April 6th, not March 23rd. So reset your calendars. I'll be sending you more information ahead of that, but just wanted to get that updated on your calendars. And thanks so much for all the support you guys have been giving me all these weeks, months, planning and preparing and shooting for this show. I promise you it will not disappoint. You will love it. Thanks again for tuning in, everyone. See you right back here tomorrow. In the meantime, I hope your day is so money. Money.